The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello and welcome once again to IGN's weekly PlayStation show. I am your host, Max Scovo. This is episode 829, if you're keeping track, and I'm joined today by my good pals, Jada Griffin and Brian Altano. Beyond. 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 Greetings, true believers. Uh, Before we get into it, I want to give a quick uh, plug. Uh, If you want some awesome video games to play right now, our friends over at Humble Bundle are running a promotion all week long called the Best of Humble Bundle event. You get a bunch, or rather a bundle, perhaps even multiple bundles of great games for super cheap. Right now, each bundle lasts only 48 hours before it is gone for good. So head over to humblebundle.com to get yourself something nice. I think you deserve a treat. Tis the season. How's everybody doing? Good. Do you, did you buy did you buy yourself anything for Christmas? Do I get myself a treat? Yeah. Uh I mean, I got this sweater. I got a, I got a, this that's an easy easy segue. We can get get to that in a second. Did you get yourself a treat? Not really, no. I, I mean, I, I guess I should. Should I buy some clothes? You can get. You can get whatever you want. I think you I was have... thinking like something. I mean, I bought. I bought some hot sauce this morning. That's a treat. There you go. For some, Jada. What about you? Are you getting a treat for Christmas? I. <laughs> <laughs> I have not bought myself anything yet, but I did uh, pick out some swatches for a new, like, big old beanbag that's going to go in my office. So I'm just waiting for those to show up. I was hoping you were going to say you picked out some swatches, watches, and you were going to wear a bunch of them at the same time, like Cindy Lauper. I just, just my Fitbit. That's all I can handle right That's now. Fair. Just yeah. the one. They, they, you can, you can get. I guess this is not surprising me. You can get custom bean bags based on like uh, textures or colors and stuff now. Yeah. Uh, so I like, saw those at the college store or whatever. <laughs> no, I'm getting a really nice one. Um, way too much money probably, but not an ad, not not sponsored. But uh, it's through Love Sack. I think um, I think you're in the pocket of big of big beanbag. I am I'm in the pocket of big beanbag, and you know what? It's such a cozy pocket. <laughs> oh, no, uh, there's actually uh, here's a, here's a, a, a beanbag hack. Is that Love Sack sells the big bags without the beans, and you can get a Tempur-Pedic mattress and cut it up with scissors, and just put them inside the bag, and maybe save money. Probably cost more, even. I'm not sure. I, it's yeah. not worth that's not worth the work for me i paid the money to not actually, have to they, cut I'm up a even, mattress I'm, I'm, I'm only half kidding friends of mine did that they like were getting rid of a mattress or getting a new one or whatever and they just were like we'll cut up our old mattress and they just had like friends coming over with like kitchen knives and scissors and we're just like carving up this mattress for it took like multiple sessions of just like 
just carv- carving up a mattress like, like I got, the most I, unhinged. And there people. was and there was only two people rushed to the emergency room from yeah, the yeah. end result stabbing. though is a nice they have a they have a nice squishy big big old bean bag. It's a real it's a good thing to hang out. I on actually on. I cut up a temper Peter mattress before. I did it once, but it was by accident for reasons I don't want to go into. Anyway, right if you're looking for more structure, check out uh, furniture. Yeah, uh, the, if you're looking for structure, this show is the wrong place to get it. But that said, uh, if we're talking about how to hand you that one, up, uh, and also my sweater, um, we should probably address the fact that there was the the Insomniac leak. Uh, not even a leak. That's the wrong thing to call it. It was a breach. A, it was a breach, um, which sucks. Uh, we kind of I kind of like ham-fistedly like stumbled over this last week, but like I don't think we fully realized the gravity or the the breadth of this uh, this hack and like. The thing that, that that really sucks is like obviously a bunch of a bunch of spoilers and a bunch of info and a bunch of data about the games has leaked, which is you know frustrating for the people working on it. Even more frustrating is the fact that a bunch of personal information got leaked, and that's that sucks. Like I don't know. It's also this is information that was acquired by illicit means. There's always sort of a shaky gray area in terms of how you cover that, but in this case, it feels like just especially just especially shitty um heinous mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 no it's a it's criminal like it's it's awful and the thing like i don't know i feel like people making games in this day and age like they are probably in addition to being overworked to make the games themselves they're probably constantly wondering are they going to be one of the uh are they going to fall into that six percent of a company that gets laid off without much warning um mm-hmm. and on top of all that uh, I don't know. Somebody finding out that they're like their baby's social security number got leaked on the internet, or that you know their their personal their passport photo is floating around there on the dark web. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's horrible. And it's like right and before they, it's right before the holidays. People want to take a break and relax, and like that that's that sucks. That's awful. So I'm just yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. I mean, we already live in an age where the most um. I don't know the worst fans out there will already go through the trouble of harassing devs regularly and dox people and stuff like that this is just giving them more ammunition to do that if they have a great if some you know yeah. say somebody was uh felt wronged by insomniac i don't know how you would at this point in day and age because insomniac has been amazing um and at least in the public eye um but it just sucks to have that ammunition out there floating for those type of people so hack villains like there are real <laughs> mean yeah. bad people in the world go f- and get them these guys mm-hmm. went after like video game studios and hospitals okay yeah like i i, yeah. Don't, I don't know sorry not to like no it's yeah, i mean it's, I just, it's a downer thing like we should we have to like i think it's it's fair to address it but again the thing that keeps coming up is like there was a there was a clip floating around um a, you know, a, a million years ago, whatever, when like Pam and Tommy Lee had their sex tape, sex tape stolen, like Pamela Anderson was on the Jay Leno show and he was like, ah, I saw the video. Ah, and she's like, ha ah, that's that's great. And it's just just like some contractor stole like personal personal shit. Like it's it's like that's not fair game. That's not fair to talk about. It's like a massive intrusion. Yeah. That's obviously, you know, apples and oranges, but still extremely like there's you know, personal information floating around. I would love to talk about Wolverine. I That has been true for literally the last 31 years of my life. At any given point, I could be getting literal surgery and you could ask me if I want to talk about Wolverine and I'd be like, hell yeah, you know who had surgery? Wolverine, up at That's the Weapon X facility. Yeah, exactly. This one's for you, Morph. I love Wolverine. I always want to talk about Wolverine. This is, Wolverine's a fake, a fake man. He's not real. Real people were affected by this. So um, yeah. out of respect for them, I just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. We'll sit We're, on it. We'll, yeah. You know, we'll come back to that. Um, yeah. 
I guess you know, for so... a PSA for the audience, like if you're mindful of spoilers about uh, like specific plot beats or like, you know, uh, mechanics and stuff like that in, in this game and future uh, PlayStation games, um, mute keywords and, and mm -hmm. avoid. You know, or one you mechanic can. I hope yeah. is in that game is Forge, the X-Man who fixes yeah. things. Anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, okay. speaking of stuff that Insomniac did want us to know about, um, you know, I don't want to be too nice because they were a little bit rude. They called us webheads in an official statement about what's coming for Spider-Man 2. Uh, they posted an official announcement saying, we have some news about the next update for Marvel Spider-Man 2. We know more players have been eagerly awaiting features such as New Game Plus and audio descriptions, among many more. We've been working vigilantly on these features and require more testing to ensure the quality is up to our standards, targeting early 2024 for the next game update. And we'll have a feature complete list closer to its release. Heard your feedback and we'll be adding some highly requested features, including the ability to change the time of day one of Spider-Man's lesser known powers, swap tendril <laughs> colors and replay missions, just to name a few. So that's awesome. Um, tendril colors. Oh, I, tendril I missed colors. that one. I like yeah. that. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, you know, that's, you know, changing the time of day, he just, you know, shoots his web, grabs the, you know, the sun and the moon and just swaps their places just manually. That's how yeah, he does so this... it. <laughs> <laughs> this is supposed to be out by the end of the year and uh, they're, they're kicking it down the curb a little bit. And this was obviously before the leaks even happened. So. Um, mm -hmm. They have, they have their hands full, but uh, what tendril yeah, this is color cool. do this you is... want? What kind of co what color do you want your tendrils? What color is your uh, symbiote parachute? I actually don't know because I like I mean the black ones are the default, but you get white ones spoilers at some point, and I don't I didn't like those at all. I want like a I want my symbiote to look dangerously cheesy. I want him to look like some horrible Chester cheetah who's just <laughs> stretching like Kraft macaroni and cheese slime all over the place. That's terrible. Yeah, I mean, this yeah. game will come to PC at some point, Max, and you, people will make all those weird erotic dreams of yours come true. I want them to take a page out of uh, Jedi Survivor, where after you finish it, you get the party sabers. I want party tendrils. Party Ooh. tendrils. I like that. Yes. I, yeah, I, like I'm, that. I'm, I don't like that sentence, but I like where you're going. Party tendrils. <laughs> don't Google that. That's not a good time. Uh, no, I that's yeah I, I hope they do some silly stuff like that i would love where there's just i don't know party had spider-man and like there's always confetti that comes out when he shoots webs or just it's just like streamers you know mm -hmm. just swinging around on cray paper and then it looks like there was a parade whenever he goes down a you know city city street <laughs> just throwing that out there i don't know um yeah so that's the big announcement the other big announcement and again i really want to have like a nice positive time talking about good things and nice nice news Spider-Man getting color-changing slime. That's good news in my book. Uh, mm -hmm. Not such good news is the, the news that Naughty Dog is officially not going forward with The Last of Us Online. I, uh, this, I think this is good news. I agree. Okay. Well, you guys can get yelled at in the comments. <laughs> that's fine with me. No, this is also not the biggest surprise, given that this is something that's been in the works for ages. The announcements were like, here's some concept art. Here's some more concept art. Happy anniversary, Last of Us. We're backburnering this project. We don't know what's yep. going on there. So it's been like, typically when things are moving forward at a good pace, you know, you don't go, yeah, we're actually, um, we're uh, lessening the resources that thing is getting. Uh, but in this case, they're straight up pulling the plug entirely. There was an official announcement saying, uh, Naughty Dog said, among other things, in ramping up to full production, the massive scope of our ambition became clear. To release and support The Last of Us Online, we'd have to put all our studio resources behind the supporting post-launch content for years to come, severely impacting development on future single-player games. 
So we had two paths in front of us, become a solely live service game studio or continue to focus on single player narrative games that have defined Naughty Dog's heritage. Yeah, no, you're, I mean, this in that sense, this is for the best. This is a good right. thing. No, it's, 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 it's more nuanced than just like good or bad, obviously. Cause like, first of all, um, I was explaining this to some friends the other day, but like, it is very rare unless you're like a government defense contractor to work on something in secrecy for years and years and years that like never comes into fruition. And then when it's done, um, you, all of your work gets buried in NDAs. It doesn't really get released to the public mm -hmm. and you have nothing to show for your time. And so to everybody who worked on this thing for a very long yeah. time, um, and a lot of a lot of developers spoke up. They said it was like their favorite project they've ever worked on. Some said it's like the most fun multiplayer game that they've ever played. Um, uh, others talked about how much they learned working on it and how cool it was and blah, 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 blah. Uh, I think, you know, we 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 as consumers and as fans and as as uh, like people who just love video games kind of got a feeling that the vibe felt a little off on this one that like it's just there's only so many years in a row where you can get like a piece of concept art at best and nothing else and not not anything else to show for it. But I think what like my sort of like weird revelation on this is that you can't just make a multiplayer mode anymore. Like those mm -hmm. days are so, so done. And like, you know, I, not to say those were the best days, because I do remember there was a lot of single player games that got a ham fisted kind of horseshoed, <laughs> rat farted <laughs> multiplayer mode shoved in there that was just like protagonists with different color hats or jackets or something like that. And they'd run around to beat each other up. Right. Like I remember like Metroid Prime 2 mm -hmm. came out and everybody was like, yeah, they were sort of like chasing those halo dollars for a minute there. And they're like, what if there was just like a bunch of different colored Samuses? And then like they made like a DS Metroid game that had a bunch of hunters. bounty hunters. And mm -hmm. yeah, and like there was like, okay, this is this is getting kind of cooler. But they were largely a arena based run around in circles, mm -hmm. last man standing type thing, team deathmatch, all those fun things, right? Um, and then at some point over the last decade, the multiplayer universe changed where you can't just ship uh, a multi or, you know, predominantly studios, AAA studios cannot ship a like, just sort of like a side a side dish multiplayer version. You need something that's going to last for months and months. And like I just mentioned Halo, you look at Halo Infinite when that game, when that game launched like it was, you know, I I remember I played it for a, mi a minute, Max and I were in some multiplayer matches together, we had some fun, mm -hmm. and I played for like a month and I was like, cool. And I moved on. And then I checked back in a couple weeks later and like the audience was livid cuz they were like, where's the content? Where mm -hmm. like you're drip feeding us stuff? You're delaying features, you're delaying uh, modes and maps and all the stuff that you promised. And like, we're paying money for cosmetics, but we have nowhere to use them. There was, you know, legitimate concerns from people who were like, I don't want this to be a thing that I mess with for a couple of weeks. I want this to be my, my game. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be my hobby. This is going to be my lifestyle. This is going to be like my multiplayer game because I love this IP so much. I love these characters. I love this world. I want to keep playing it. And I think a lot of that, a lot of people wanted that from The Last of Us based on uh, the amount of time they dumped in uh, factions. And factions, much higher ceiling than your typical uh, sort of like side dish multiplayer offering, right? Like there was a lot there. You, mm -hmm. could, you could play that game for weeks or months or even years. And folks did. And so I think with this one, like it's just changed so much now that if you can't plan a roadmap that lasts years and years and years, then don't even bother. And I think that like, I don't know. It's it's surprising to me that Naughty Dog had to like actually go down that path to reach the the painted brick wall at the end. 
<laughs> but <laughs> like, because I think some some folks would probably see that as like, okay, yeah, that's an obvious conclusion. But the video game development is such a moving target now that I my my guess is that when they started making this project or started pitching this project or scoping it a couple years ago, they had no idea that like the way things are now is that you have to put out new content every couple of days or every couple of weeks at most. And if you don't, you're screwed and the audience will leave and you'll lose a bunch of money. And they probably looked at what was happening with all that and they were looking at their competition and they're like, we can't get in there. And thus the dozens or hundreds of people that worked on this game for years now get to like quietly close the book, put a lock on it. And then, you know, luckily no layoffs or anything. They're getting moved to single player projects, which selfishly I can't wait for, but it's a, it's a, it's kind of a bummer to see like a big studio attempt to pivot like this, realize we can't go in unless it's all or nothing. And that's kind of the state of multiplayer gaming right now. Yeah. It's, you know, like you said, it's, it's tough for those that worked on this to have to just kind of like, this is NDA stuff. Like I, you know, on a resume, like I can't talk about this or can't show you anything from mm -hmm. this. Like that's really tough if, you know, anybody decides to like, you know, they have a life change and they need to move across the country and pick up a job at a different studio or something yeah. like that. Um, it's rough for that. Um, but, you know, I think it's it's better for Naughty Dog in the long run to have to do this, because, I mean, look at it. Look at, at this way. You got to look at the money as well. You know, say, you know, your average employee makes 50K. That's not, a, not an accurate number. Say you have 10 employees or what? Uh, 50K times yeah, 10 employees. That's 500,000 a year. Mm -hmm. that for those are 500,000 sorry um per employee times per month that's times 12 that's what six million dollars a year that they're investing in this project and guaranteed Naughty Dog employees are probably making more than 50k and they probably had more than 10 people so like <laughs> right and, um, and, and then you gotta you know you tack on like you know benefits and mm -hmm. snacks and internet R and, with, and it's R&D and, yeah, and all yeah. the money they spend on you know investing in any resources it's really tough to break into like a new genre a new type of game like this um even for a studio that's as successful as naughty dog um yeah. so i'm happy that they you know they were they had their eyes on the steering wheel, you know, on the road ahead. They weren't, they didn't, they weren't asleep at the wheel. Eyes <laughs> on the steering wheel. Eyes on the steering wheel. I love you, mixed, Jada. Mixed metaphor Jada strikes again. Um. <laughs> Historically, just the safest way to drive. <laughs> well, no, I did, I did see yeah. some. I did see Go some ahead. people being like, well, just put it out because like you already spent so much time on it. And it's like, well, that's, I mean, that is pretty textbook sunken cost fallacy, right? Like if you're a year yes. into law school and it's not working out, like, do you want to keep paying for it for the, for the next seven? I don't know how many years you go, seven years, nine, if, if you become a doctor lawyer by the end, I don't know. I'm here. As you both of them at the same time, yeah. you go to one school for both doctor <laughs> and lawyer. Um, <laughs> I understand law school about as well as it Jada understands steering wheels. Um, I do. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, no, you can't just take it and just put it out there and just be like, I hope for the best. Uh, Cause you're going to have to keep pumping money into it. And it's, it's going to look like a colossal failure if it's not if it's not shipped in in the in the way it's supposed to be and it's going to be a blight on the on the studio right which is known yeah. for like hot seriously high quality stuff like you know like you can't naughty dog is like they're synonymous with like incredibly high quality pedigree art that comes out every couple of years now right like they are mm -hmm. they're they're the top of the, when it comes to gameplay and animation and story, like they're, they're up there at the top, if not at the top, right? Like art, you could argue that they're one of the best studios 
in video game history in terms of like telling those types of stories, right? Even though mm -hmm. I think Uncharted 4 was too long, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but no, I like you can't just put out a multiplayer game that's just like, you know, not Meh. where it needs to be. And what bums me out is that like all the talk they had about this one having so much narrative in it, like that was really cool to me because this is more than just like, Oh, we're we're losing like a you know a, a multiplayer map. We're losing some guys running around mm -hmm. in circles and kill each other, and the cloud gets smaller or whatever. Um, yeah, you know the 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 clickers get bigger or whatever. Like this, like they were writing, like they presumably had writers working on this. They had voice actors working on this. Like they found a really, or at least were trying to find a really interesting way to weave like big story beats into multiplayer, and like mm -hmm. that's really interesting to me. And I wonder if there's a way they can like salvage some of that stuff and turn it into like smaller things like we just saw um i don't know like naughty dog's done it before with um with lost legacy right uh, which mm -hmm. is an uncharted game which i absolutely adored thought it was perfectly paced um we've seen you know uh like there was a, a shorter end horizon vr game this year we've gotten spider-man dlcs in the past it's just like story drops like i wonder if there's a way for them to mine some of the stuff that they have that they worked on for this and do kind of like smaller content drops a couple months or a couple years after Last of Us 3 or before then, you know, like um, yeah. Left Behind, right? Like they've done mm -hmm. it before. Like there's a studio that knows how to do that kind of stuff. So it would be really cool if they could just take some of that and then some of the artists and developers and writers and everybody who worked on this game could be like, hey, like my work made it into the public finally. Like people can play it in some form. Mm -hmm. It may not be some big multiplayer thing with a battle pass and, you know, uh, endless modes and you know uh, a billion different unlockable cosmetics and stuff like that um and double xp weekends but like i don't know if they're going to make story driven stuff and they wrote story driven stuff for the multiplayer game then it'd be awesome to see if they could find a way to get this out to us at some point yeah or mechanics like who knows yeah. what like mm -hmm. what this would be like to play uh i'm hoping that again i hope they make use of whatever it was they were they were handling here but going back to this it's naughty dogs playing playing to their strengths yeah which is yep. what that's the right call the i feel like the other things you could look at to kind of compare to this is uh look at redfall you know it's the studio that is known for making they make sing, single strikes. player they make single player narrative experiences and they made a you know multiplayer co-op thing that just didn't you know didn't stick the landing and it was like that was that wasn't even without like uh not having a roadmap to support it though it doesn't seem like they're really doing so hot on that track uh it's it's just that's not what that studio knew how to do you know and it's it's one thing to be like i think it's you know it's disingenuous to think that a just that game developers automatically know how to make any kind of video game yeah which is not no. true obviously <laughs> like people have individual people have different strengths and if you get a building full of different people who theoretically they have an idea of what they're building towards you know and mm -hmm. some some skills obviously apply to that can be applied across the board but like someone who's really good at designing a multiplayer experience might not have the the first idea of how to make a cool single player story like it's a it's you know one person's writing a screenplay the other person's it you know inventing a nerf ball like it's a different it's a different philosophy entirely yeah uh, and i mean i don't know it's the, like the, directing for for Hollywood or directing for theater like it's two different muscles mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. some things translate some things don't Mm -hmm. um you yeah. know it, yeah i mean look at look at suicide squad kill the justice league right which is like mm -hmm. this is a this is a very prestigious single player studio that focused on predominantly one character one of the most beloved 
characters in the history of characters. And uh, then they pivoted for their new game, which, you know, feels like two or three movies too late. And it's predominantly multiplayer with a offline single player mode coming after launch. And it's like, you know, this is not necessarily, again, I haven't, I haven't played Suicide Squad yet, but like, it's not exactly what I want from the studio or what the studio is known for. This game's kind of become a punching bag because we've seen it so many times and it's, it's out in, you know, like six weeks or something like that. But um, somebody so we'll get, like, there's we'll definitely then, people but... out there who want, who want this game. Yeah. But it's me. It's also, yeah. <laughs> yeah you. <laughs> you, I don't know. Jada, you play, you play a lot of, a lot of live service games. Like you actually yeah. stick around for a lot of games post launch. Uh, what's, what's the game you're still regularly playing that came out the longest time ago? Ooh, I, so previously, so this year would probably been Diablo four. It was probably the one. It was my most played game on my PlayStation wrapped with like, 300 hours what, i mean so. i'm talking about like like do you were but, you still you know d ducking into like apex or destiny or anything like that but the longest term was probably apex uh which i dropped off earlier this year like i literally just dropped apex this year just because i there was this year was too much too many there was too many big triple a amazing games coming out for me to focus on a live service game like apex apex is one of those games where i felt like if i wasn't playing every week like my like skills would corrode if i missed a patch if i missed an update to a map i missed a season i'm just like oh i'm so behind now mm -hmm. um and granted it's not like the biggest thing you can get in jump at any time um apex is still very good for that but for me wanting to like you know consistently rank high in the ranked modes um like I felt like I need to be playing it constantly, and that just took away my time from enjoying right, everything right. else that came I mean, that's, this year. That's exactly it. Is it you? Yeah. These games are competing for your time. In addition yeah. to money, it's also just it's just time. Like I was sort of kicking myself because there definitely there was a chunk of this year that I spent like playing Fortnite, and I had a good time. But also, yeah. like part of me is like I could have spent that time playing other you know single player games. I could have like finished a story or whatever. I could have had like more you know. And it's not like I was playing Fortnite every 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 waking hour or anything like i think it was just a couple weeks that i was like oh i like the new season i like the new update uh and then also i you know stopped and if i jumped in there now there's suddenly there's like there's what like kart racing and lego mode and like guitar hero mode they just yep, if you turn band. around for 20 mm -hmm. minutes they add stuff and these are the, these are like the big games of the service this is you know apex i remember at one point apex uh people were mad that it didn't have enough content updates and you know that's because they have to scale that stuff they have to either you know get more people on us uh, staffed up or that you know they don't they, there's there's no way of, of understanding exactly how big of a response a game is going to have like you look at yep. something I mean, like shadow drops yeah look at something like among us that game was completely unheard of for like two years after launch and then it blew the hell up and then suddenly it, it went from being like this goofy little kind of like i don't know widget type game to something that was a full-on like there was a multiplayer community around that like people played that regularly mm -hmm. like it was it had a whole a thing to it and like I, you know look at fall guys that seemed like it was a joke and then here we are what like five years later and it's still going like it's it's mm -hmm. wild that this happened and these are all completely disparate games and the sort of i guess unifying thing is that they were all made from the ground up to be multiplayer games like yeah. they from from yeah. day one the plan was to make a multiplayer game and that's not to say the last of us online wasn't you know it wasn't intended to be a multiplayer game from the get-go but it is an extension of what is by definition a single player experience it is what Naughty Dog is good at. Naughty Dog is, re they've, they've made some cool multiplayer stuff in the past, but that is not their strong suit. I would say that they've made good stuff in spite of what the studio is known for. Uh, you know, you look at, 
I, yeah, you look at like GTA online, like everyone's mad at that for getting constant, constant updates and not having a single player extension. We're mm. finally getting a single player, uh, sequel, uh, yeah. in two years or whatever, year and a half. Um, but like, yeah, it's, that was rockstar being like, what works, what doesn't, what prints money, what doesn't, what, what, what do people actually want? And enough people mm -hmm. clearly want GTA online that it was worth more time, like sinking energy into that. That is an ecosystem that was, that was that rockstar built you know it, it, like there's also well like gta 4 had an online component that had like a, a you know active you know f community but it was it was it wasn't the same scale as gta online by a long shot yep. in the same way that like factions was much more in under the same sort of category as the in the olden days you know you would buy a game on a disc pop it in there would be single player multiplayer you'd go to multiplayer mm -hmm. to be like a handful of modes there was a certain there wasn't like a it wasn't like an ever expanding ecosystem like at this point yeah. making making a multiplayer game in 2020 is as much making a game as it is making a social network like you're creating a place for people to congregate and you are mm -hmm. planning events to have happen around that like you're 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 trying to forecast community engagement, how much of it there will be, how much the community will demand, and also trying to foresee what that community might actually want from your game, which yeah. is just, that's a lot on top yeah. of making the game to begin with. So, and I it, mean, yeah. and down the yeah. hall, you're making Last of Us 3. Yeah, and it, it's and it's tricky because do you scale up early and invest a whole bunch of money? And then if it does, if you know, you don't get the audience size you're hoping for, then you've got sunken costs there. You're just, you've, you know, like you just wasted money because nobody's playing the game. If you invest too little, then you're, then there's, you know, not enough content. People are complaining, people weighing off. Like it's just, it's, it's a moving target that is almost impossible to predict um, unless you've like been in that bubble and doing it before. Like if Epic were to create Fortnite 2 next year, they'd have a pretty good idea about what the roadmap would look like for this multiplayer type game. Right. Always, you know what I mean? But like somebody like a Naughty Dog or an Insomniac or anybody, any studio that is known for single player than that are dipping their toes into multiplayer or even a multiplayer studio making a new IP in a multiplayer, um, like space that it's a moving target. It's really mm -hmm. tough to gauge. So it's, it's tricky. You know, yeah, I'm hoping Naughty Dog can can, you know, re reuse much, much like those survivors in that fungal post apocalypse can craft all sorts of items from leftover scraps. I'm hoping that they can make a cool shank out of <laughs> the remnants of this, uh, you know, multiplayer thing. I think there's a good chance we'll see some of the, the developments pop up maybe in the Last of Us 2 remastered like stuff. There's a good chance some of that might have been like as they were like, hey, this is dwindling down. This isn't going to work for the multiplayer. This might work for the remastered with the ro the no return mode. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's I mean, a good that, chance some of that stuff already got used. That's the funny little half measure is that feels so much like something like Resident Evil Mercenaries, which again, was a was a type of, that was a, introduced what, like the 2005, somewhere around there. Like that was mm -hmm. an old timey, not even multiplayer mode. That was just a little, you know, bonus arcadey mode, which yep. still works today. You can still do that. And if anything, Naughty Dog could, if if no return is a huge hit and it keeps people engaged with the last of us part two they can keep dropping like new you know new cosmetics new characters mm -hmm. new stuff drop stuff in there like screw it put you know put nathan drake in there as a goof and make giant giant clickers <laughs> uh, put you know put jack and daxter in there just there get, get, get weird get silly it doesn't count it's not canon it's all it's all made up um yeah remains to be seen if that uh if that takes off that is out 
fairly soon, like a month from now. I'm excited to see what's in store there. This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. They made an Avatar game, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, which... Ryan and I have been playing. Jada, did you get any time with it? You've been playing too? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've been playing it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this seemed like, it seemed just like a, just like an ace in the hole. It seemed like the easiest thing, just do Far Cry with Avatar. And in a lot of ways, that's exactly what it is. But the little things that it doesn't do are just utterly baffling to the point that it's just so frustrating. Um, yeah. And I'm, again, Avatar is a funny intellectual property because we, you know, we had a running joke that I was like the only person who cared about Avatar for about like eight years here at IGN. And then the sequel came out and everyone saw it. And like, even so, the two most successful movies in history or whatever, besides Endgame, people, I feel like there's not really much of a fan base for what's actually in there. 
You know, it's very much, mm -hmm. it is, it is less a universe that people want to get, like, it's less character focused, it's more world focused. Like it's about, it's about visiting Pandora. It's a theme park ride. It's the experience, not so much the, yeah, there's Jake Sully, one of the two and a half characters whose names people can remember. Uh, <laughs> there's Norm in the background. Remember Norm? Everyone loves Norm. I do know Norm. Uh, yeah, he's he's the he's the boss from Grandma's Boy. But no, like Avatar's a a weird IP in that sense. And I feel like because it is sort of a blank slate, like it's not like it's not like Star Wars where people are simultaneously reading comics and watching Disney shows and keeping up with movies mm -hmm. and understanding where all the stuff lines up canonically. Like Avatar canon is like it's like literally I think it's literally 25 issues of a comic book one or two novels, two big movies, a theme park, and a Cirque du Soleil show. I could be forgetting something, but that is the breadth of the expanded, you know, multimedia universe of Avatar. And then you've got this game, which is kind of a blank slate. And ultimately, like, it doesn't really expect you to know a ton going in. But it's still, I feel it kind of trips over itself trying to, I don't, I'm, it's, it's such, it's such an aggressive almost that I'm so frustrated by it. Um, Brian, you want to, you want to, <laughs> Yeah, grab, grab, um, yeah, man, like this, this is such a, this is such a tough one for me because like, I, uh, first of all, I like unabashedly love Far Cry. I'm like, I, I consider myself, uh, sort, sort of smart, just, just smart enough to like, you know, not be happy at, at stuff all the time. <laughs> um, not, not, not dumb enough where like everything is, is, is difficult somewhere in between, but I love a good Far Cry game. I love to every two to three years, shut my brain off with my like idiot companion animal and just run around some silly open world game with rocket launchers and guns and bazookas and zip lines and you know, gyrocopters that make funny little noises. And I love to raid camps and take over towers and bases, do my little Ubisoft checklist garbage, right? We all love that. Like that's that's the thing. I, what I come to video games for is every now and then, every couple of years, I want to shut my brain off. I want to play a big, nonsensical open world action adventure game, and I want to just blow stuff up and shoot things and do stuff. And a big part of that is that those things are designed around systems that are largely easy to interact with and mostly happen in the periphery in ways that I don't have to worry about. Far Cry historically, or you know, uh, GTA or Breath of the Wild or whatever those games, um, Spider-Man, right? Like they all have these like mini maps and they have like icons on them. And they have things that they're easy to figure out. They're easy to put together. Avatar, I believe uh, is, I, I would say one of the most beautiful open world games ever made. Stunning. Agreed. Just uh, unabashedly, incredibly gorgeous to the point where you're just like, I don't even understand how they made this. Like I've been, Playing this game on like a 65 inch OLED TV, all the bells and whistles. And it's just like, it's un, un, unbelievable how good this thing looks. Like Avatar just the way from the get go looks like those, those weird royalty free graphics of like tropical things they put yeah. on TVs at Best Buy to like show how pretty the TV is. This yep. looks like a video game based on that for yeah. these reasons. It's pretty. Yeah. Um, and I think on, on a surface level, like, there's a lot to love here because it's like the 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 gunplay feels pretty good the the bow and arrow hunting stuff feels pretty good the world is is huge the verticality is really interesting in terms of like traversal and climbing and and you know interacting with uh, things in the environment um that said the the world feels kind of empty once you actually dig into it a little bit and um 
Max put me onto a show, a show recently, which I've been watching with my five-year-old, which I shouldn't, but I keep checking with her to see if it's too scary, uh, called uh, Scavenger's Rain. Oh my God, and, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. She loves it. I keep being like, honey, are you, you sure you're good on this? All and right. I think that like something that, that that world does remarkably well, and I think that the, the Avatar movies do pretty well, is um, create uh, alien world building in a believable way where you understand the, the logic of an ecosystem right? Like there are flora and fauna, there are predators and prey, there are things that interact differently with each other. And this, this game sort of feels like you're just kind of this tall character running around without like any real reason to be there. And I think that like some of the surface level stuff they do in terms of like making you respect nature and interact with nature feels um, not necessarily like believable to me. Like it, it's, it's just sort of like it, it's walking this really fine line where it's trying to be something different than a big goofy video game, but it's a big goofy video game and that's fine. So you're like, cool, then just be a big goofy video game. And then you get into the parts where it's like an actual pain in the ass. And that's the uh, inventory management. That's the, the UI and the menus. That's the HUD, the mini map, like navigation in this game is like truly cumbersome and frustrating in levels that I don't think I've experienced in an open world game since like the N64. Like it's it's almost baffling and it feels like one of those things like, or actually no, since since Starfield. Because um, Starfield is another game that shipped this year that was like an open world exploration game that like didn't really have maps. And everyone told me like, well, that's a part of the experience of being lost in space. And Bethesda was like, yeah, we're patching those in. So just, uh, you know, <laughs> ignore ignore the the patchwork on the house right now. Um, and so like, this is a game that I will happily revisit in a couple months if it gets some, you know, quality of life improvements and like, they add like a mini map, they add some other stuff that makes it a little bit more logical to get around. But right now, like I find playing it to be like equal parts, like really inspiring and gorgeous, but also kind of boring and then worse frustrating. And like, that's the worst part is when I'm really, really, really wanting to love a game. I, it'd be so much easier to just say this is a bad game, but it's, it's not. Yeah, you no, know? exactly. It has all of the components of a really fun Far Cry game. Yeah, and I appreciate yeah. that it's trying to do things to make itself distinct and fit that Avatar vibe. Like the fact that you are not just doing Far Cry stuff, like where you kill eight dogs and get a new purse for your grenades or whatever. <laughs> like you have to respect nature. It has a whole thing where like basically the item or the ingredients you get, the crafting materials you get have conditions based on, you know, how how gently you like pluck the space fruit from the space tree or if you do a clean kill on a little weasel that's trying to kill you, a little viper wolf, which is like really hard to do because they're just like, just come at you like little dachshunds or whatever. You're trying to shoot it with a bow and arrow. If you just like fill it with arrows and like, or blow it up with a grenade, it's like, oh, this is, this is a, this is a pretty, it's pretty nasty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Far Cry um, has a little of that, right? Like if you blow up mm -hmm. a, like a tiger with a, yeah, with that's a grenade, right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, that's yeah. bad meat now. <laughs> yeah. So Got it's, grenade it's, in it. Yeah. It's nothing new. Um, I, you know, I, I agree with you guys. I think for me, it's like, your scavenger's reign um comparison brian i i think i like this less after watching scavenger's reign because yeah. scavenger's reign is just so unabashedly weird mm -hmm. and they lean into it so hard um that it i like every episode just kept drawing me in whereas this one i feel like because we know stuff about Avatar based on the two movies and the novels and the mm -hmm. screenplays and it's whatever else Navi. Max Navi's. <laughs> <laughs> um, I <Damn> feel it. like <laughs> 
I feel like it's I feel like it's mm-hmm. kind of being hurt by that by the the fact that it doesn't feel super new. Like it doesn't feel like it's a gorgeous game. It's beautiful. The combat's fine. It's whatever. I I kind of had to put a pause on this one just because it was I felt like a chore going back to each night. Yeah. And I was like, this is not what I want out of my game experience right now. Um, it's something I'm going to revisit probably over the holiday break with my partner because we're going to play it co-op. Um, and I think that'll make it a lot better, more enjoyable of an experience because we'll be able to do our own dumb things. You know, I'll light a bunch of stuff on fire and then die and he'll come pick me up um, because, you know, that's just what I do. I just the no- run the Navi and- would never do that. They would not set a fire in the tree. They don't well, like the tree being you know what? I, they gave me bombs, Max. That's so fair. I'm gonna something's gonna catch fire in this game. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I'm, um, I'm I'm kind of it feels like a chore for me too. Uh, which which sucks. It's I don't understand. Like there's little things where it's like like you have to manually set your waypoint to direct where you are to pop up. Like I feel like it's this it's the the most frustrating aspect of navigation in Skyrim. Like you have a little compass at the top and you can kind of like see where your waypoint is but it doesn't yeah. automatically have one pop up for your next, you know, for your primary objective. Uh, there's no mini map to help you figure out. I guess I can understand there being no mini map because I think it's going to have a lot more verticality later on. The fact mm-hmm. that I have to say later on, and I haven't experienced any of that verticality from the get-go, like I know you get to fly around one of those big Ekron pterodactyl dudes, one of those banshees, which I want to do. Like there's a bunch of stuff in here that I want to do. And I understand they're trying to sort of drip feed it to kind of get more mileage out of the, the experience. But I could have watched both Avatar films and gotten all of the thrills they have in store in the time that I've spent playing this game. And I, yeah, I know it, it like to your point, Jada, like it's, it has to play with the tools that exist in that universe and scavengers mm-hmm. reign. I'm sure there's some people who watch that show and they're like, this doesn't make any sense. How would they know to use that alien as a smelling salt or a grappling hook or what? Like they're constantly just yeah. using also shout out to scavengers reign. It is so, it is so good. It's on, it's on uh, max or HBO, whatever it's called. Go watch it, please. I highly recommend it. It's very good. Maybe don't watch it with a five-year-old unless your five-year-old is cool as hell. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it, it's that doesn't have an existing ecosystem to plan. Avatar does. Uh, they have a lot of room to play around in. I think this part of the universe is like pretty close to what was in the movies that we've seen. Later on, it theoretically goes to a whole other prairie zone, which has new, you know, new critters and new plants and stuff. How these things get utilized, they can't do something that's entirely, you know, universe breaking because then anybody who watches the movies are like, well, why don't they just use the exploding water buffalo with right. legs to mm-hmm. run up the side of the tree or whatever? Like they, they can't do something that's completely out there for the sake of a game mechanic that it undermines what happens in the movie that the game is based off of, uh, which is, you know, that's a that's a problem. It's not like that, uh, you know, that old Nintendo Star Wars game where Darth Vader turns into a scorpion at the end or whatever. Like that's <laughs> games can't take quite that many liberties anymore. Uh, yeah, I. I it's got so many weird little things that I kind of understand what they're going for, but ultimately it feels like they get in the way of it being a fun game. And yep. like, you know, they're like, go get me a beehive. You're like, cool. Where's the beehive consult your hunter's manual and then cross-reference that with your map and then go look around for it. But Oh, by the way, those beehives are all nasty because people have been doing chemical stuff over there. So go blow up the chemical factory. And I'm like, just, we just sent me to blow up the chemical factory in the first place. You know, just mm-hmm. one of those things where it's just put a waypoint on that thing. I'll go blow it up, go do some Far Cry shit, have a good time over there. Uh, yeah, I mean, Far Cry is, is very much like it. Like, I think I a million years ago when I reviewed like Far Cry 3, it literally hands you a, a flamethrower and is like, go nuts. 
And that doesn't really work in, in line with Avatar, but I think there's concessions they could make or there's things they could sort of work around that get that let it get to the fireworks factory a little faster. Or maybe not the fireworks, but the, you know, the uh luminescent spore factory, whatever they do on Pandora. We uh, don't judge. Yeah. We yeah. just they want them to have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I wanna I wanna I wanna love it. But um yeah, not quite there yet. I really, you know, it's there's a re- there's a cool game in there. I'm gonna kind of keep chipping away at it. I think I have like one more mission until they give me my goddamn pterodactyl. But uh, if that pterodactyl isn't cool, we're gonna have words. We're gonna have a problem. Mm-hmm. I will not say mm-hmm. I see you to this game. I will say uh, whatever so Nami say when they're mad at people. Jada, you said this game is fine, which is one of the most critical negative things you've ever said about a video <laughs> game. It is. It's fine. It's like it's not a it's not a bad game. It's not a a great game. It's just it's so middling. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really my issue with um, not only this, but like a lot of games nowadays, they feel like they're just fine. Um, And like, yes, that's, you know, my own personal taste. But also it's also an objective kind of look at certain games where it's just like you're just doing what somebody else has already done. Like, I've already seen this. I've already done this. Like, I, I want new experiences. That's why, like, anytime we're doing a panel for a a PlayStation Direct, a, you know, or PlayStation Showcase, a Nintendo Direct, you know, uh, any, any type of show where we're expecting to see new stuff, I want to be surprised. I want to mm-hmm. see new stuff. I want to experience new things. And a lot of games do do that. And, like, you've got to kind of jump into more indie experiences, it feels like, nowadays, to get that kind of experience and feel those that's, new I mean, that's types always of kind of been the case. And yeah, it's, it's no. funny because I feel like we're coming at this from two different angles where you want something new and we want Far Cry. We want something familiar. Far Cry games sell exponentially more copies every time they make a new one. Mm-hmm. Since three, they haven't really done that much to change the formula. There have been very, very minor granular kind of incremental tweaks to change what that experience is like. But ultimately, the difference between Far Cry three and Far Cry six, aside from seven games and a lot of graphics is like, it's pretty minor there's like little little things that they added here and there in the case of avatar like they could have stuck with that formula they could have stuck closer to that Mm -hmm. uh but it's this one i would say this one kind of went back to some of their older formula stuff uh just because i i maybe i'm just not far enough in well no i take that back i have seen like the level stuff i was like because i know like with far cry 5 new dawn they're like their spinoff um sequel um from far cry 5 that's when they introduced like the whole oh, there's experience and you know you have to be a certain level your gear to do damage to these elites and stuff like that and then they added that full like deeper in a six and avatar has that to a degree um because i was really getting i was really hoping i was going to get back to the roots of like far cry primal far cry 3 vibes i was really hoping we're going to get more of that in this one. Oh my god yeah um, I, keep, I keep thinking like well how could you know they i know that obviously far cry has is a lot of fun because it has you know, it has helicopters and it has grenade mm-hmm. launchers and stuff. How could this do that while still sticking to Navi tradition? Far Cry Primal. You get Far Cry Primal and you throw in like a few machine guns. Like they have, I, I yep. forgot they have an entire game that's framed around completely analog weaponry and technology. Yep. Uh, Which is, I think, I think probably was a big selling point for them getting the license for this one because Far Cry Primal was was excellent. They did a really mm-hmm. good job with that one. So, um, and like, don't get me wrong, I love Far Cry. Um, it's I think for me with the a lot of franchises, when I say something is fine, it's because it's all about for me in games. It's the little things, the little yeah. things in games add up either positively or negatively. And that's going to that's what for me determines if this game is, oh, my God, I can't wait to get back home and play some more time with this or 
eh, I might finish this like mm-hmm. for trophies at best. If 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 it's if the trophies aren't like stupid. <laughs> yeah, no, if, um, if that's exactly it. If, like there's enough um interconnected systems that start to annoy me or bore me or piss me off, then then I I move on. And like in this yep. one specifically like I begrudgingly moved on because I'm like I want to love so much of this so much there's so much cool stuff here that should appeal to my smooth gamer brain when it comes to just playing a big dumb shut your head off open world nonsense type thing and it's just mm-hmm. not it just didn't come together in the way i wanted it to and like i said i'm not giving up on it forever like if they announce in a couple months or whatever it's getting some patches and they're adding a couple extra features and stuff like that or reworking some of the the current systems hell yeah i'll dive back in you know like i will absolutely give this one another shot but as of now, like, I, 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 I got to step away. And I'm also I'm, bummed yeah. that like, we don't know, we don't know when the next Far Cry game is like, we don't even know the name of that. I mean, it'll probably have a number in the title, but um, Far like, Cry we, 7. Yeah. Uh, but we have no uh, idea. They, what, just, they just did a number. They're going to do something. They're going to do some weird side story thing or like, it'll oh, yeah, be, you're right. It'll be like, right, a, they were colonial, colonial I don't know. I think, I think, I think Avatar is their non numbered Far Cry. I think they will jump back to seven for their next one. Oh man, she's just done Tar Cry. kept so. it, kept it simple. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna keep kind of powering through with the whole sunken cost fallacy because I want to see if there's like, I mean, we it got really good scores across the board. I based on what we've seen in the gameplay, there's stuff in there that makes me go, ooh, pterodactyls. You know, like I want to get mm-hmm. there. It's it just, got... I guess, the thing that's frustrating is it, it's annoying enough in Far Cry because when you've done these games enough times, you're like, okay, when do I get this takedown ability? When do I get this weapon? Yeah. When do I get to do this stuff? Because you've already gotten it before in a previous game. And obviously, you can't just start the game and have all that stuff because then there's no point to play the game. Like, there's no, you know, if your checklist is already halfway complete, what are you doing there? But I feel like this one, it's just a little bit, it's like a little bit stingy. And I'm wondering if that's because, because it's, it's, not, a, it's not a known quantity. It's not a Far Cry game. If mm-hmm. because it's a licensed property and they're assuming that people are coming at it who are fans of Avatar, whoever they are out there somewhere, they're coming at this being like, I've never played a video game before. What is it? And they want to make sure that they understand all the different mechanics and they want to kind of dole them out slowly and make sure they're authentic to the true Avatar fan ex- experience. My question it's... is, where's Norm? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a, you know, I think it's just a difference between like uh, in philosophy for what you start with in, in a game it's in a sequel and stuff like that and what you you know different games handle it differently like look at the series like you know the metroid series you're constantly starting with everything and then losing everything that's kind of like a whole thing with the metroid series and it works so well for the gameplay style and there's other games where take like uh god of war you know we went from 2018 to ragnarok and Kratos kept a bunch of his abilities and a bunch of his skills and stuff like that that you earned throughout time in 2018. You kept a bunch of that stuff right off the bat in Ragnarok. Um, so I think it's just a matter of finding that balance because I never felt in Ragnarok like I was getting, I was like, I was like, oh, when am I going to get this? It was like, oh, this is a cool new thing that's another level. And I think that's my my biggest issue with developers when they, mm. with sequels is they don't, I don't know, they don't respect the time for people who've, spent a lot of time in their previous games or whatnot and i know it's a tough line to balance it's not their fault because you're new audience and veteran audiences Mm -hmm. so it's tough all right on that note we have to wrap things up because we are banking an episode for the new year which will undoubtedly be 
fresh and full of spicy brand new news, but we're going to have a good time. Uh, before we go, I want to shout out some of our best of coverage, our award stuff. Uh, we've been working very hard to do a lot of kind of uh, best game of the year things. I did a roundup of all of IGN's award winners. It's like a 22 minute long video. I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, please go check that out. We've also got, you know, a bunch of look ahead stuff. We've got breakdowns of all the individual categories. Go check out some of that stuff. Uh, we have lots more to talk about. We will join you in the new year uh, to everybody here, uh, everybody from everybody here to everyone everywhere else. We love you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. All that stuff. Happy early Tet. You know, go out there. Have a good time. Be safe. Uh, you know, have a good one. Relax. Play some video games. And uh, as always, beyond. 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 Hi, my name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I am Kristen Russo. And together, we run Buffering, a rewatch adventure, a family of podcasts moving through our favorite 90s genre television. If you're a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, well, great news for you. Our very first podcast adventure took us through all seven seasons of the series. We covered it spoiler-free, episode by episode. For those of you who want to start the show for the first time, you can find that podcast pretty easily. It's called Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Inside that podcast, you'll also find an original song that pairs with each glorious episode of Buffy and original character jingles for so many of our Buffy favorites. Buffering has been praised in places like Time, Esquire, Paste Magazine, and the New York Times, and we've chatted with dozens of cast members, writers, directors, and fans along the way. Come hang out and rewatch some of your favorite television with us and a wonderful community of listeners. Learn more at BufferingCast.com or find us on socials at BufferingCast.